Key Aero, your aviation destination. Military Aviation. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Air Warrior podcast. I'm your host, Richard Thomas, and coming up this week, we're discussing some of the main talking points from the past few days in military aviation, including exclusive coverage of Norway's intention to retire its fleet of F-16 fighters this year, as well as all the latest from the operational perspective of military aviation, as we get confirmation of the RAF's evacuation of 102 British nationals and eligible Afghans to the UK. The news this week. Joining me for a quick chat, then I should say, in a in a slightly sparse newsroom this week, is assistant editor Joseph Campion. Joseph, hi. Let's get into it. Hi, Richard. Good morning. Good morning, indeed. Let me kick things off, if I may, with the exclusive story that uh, was run on Kiero recently that the Royal Norwegian Air Force is going to retire its current fleet of F-16 AMBM Fighting Falcons by the end of this year, um, which will leave the service and the country reliant on its new F-35A stealth fighter for all fixed-wing combat duties from 2022 onwards. So all these details were sort of hidden in the, well, hidden, they weren't hidden there, they're in plain sight. You just had to read through the 179-page document of the uh, the proposed defence budget for 2022, yeah, outlining that Norway will expect to, at the end of this year, they will operate 34 F-35A aircraft, 24 of which will be based in Norway, with the remaining 10 airframes remaining in the US for training purposes and of course disclosed that the F-16 fleet would be retired. We got confirmation of this from the Norwegian Ministry of Defence. A spokesperson told me the F-16 aircraft would be made ready for sale and that before Christmas there would be a full takeover of operational responsibilities by the F-35A. Just a quick quote, there has been a lot of investment on infrastructure. When we stop operating the F-16 AMBM fleet, it will reduce the stress in operating two fixed-wing combat aircraft types, the spokesperson told me. So, Joseph, thoughts on that? A pretty interesting development. Yeah, very interesting and very quick. I think that's the main gripping thing there. Obviously, everyone knows that the F-35 is the new kid on the block from an operational perspective. It's taken over the F-16 in many allied nations. But yeah, that just seemed like it was nowhere. And then, bam, we're getting rid of our F-16s. They're going on sale. And the F-35, to be honest with you, and maybe down to naivety, I didn't know how close the Norwegians were to having their F-35 is operational and ready to go. So, yeah, it just seems like I'm guessing I'm not the only one where it's, wow, that's quick, done. And the F-35's in. It's like the Dutch, everyone knows that they've had F-35s for quite a while now. They were out in the States testing them. They've got a few now, but they're still operating their F-16s. And the transformation doesn't seem as quick. It seems a bit more flowy, if that's the correct word. It's like, we'll just ease it out. Whereas the Norwegians have gone, nope out the door f-35s in now it's the latest technology this is what we'll use so yeah i mean i can't blame them indeed i mean the spokesperson was keen to stress that the difficulty in operating and maintaining two different combat aircraft types was just creating a lot of trouble for the norwegian air force and so this move will well obviously make it simpler you only have to maintain one as difficult as the f-35 is to maintain it still is just a single aircraft type just on the deliveries you said it's sort of come out of nowhere actually it has been a really i say fast timeline probably not but it's been a very well 
structured and ordered delivery timeline for Norway. So it's going to complete its acquisition of 52 F-35As by 2024. So that will mean six aircraft will be delivered through 2021. The first batch arrived in late summer and the second batch of three is expected in December this year. So that's 34 aircraft. Through the 2022-2024 timeframe, 18 more F-35As will be delivered at a rate of six aircraft each year. So yeah, in a few years' time, Norway will have completed its acquisition of its planned, well, first batch, I suppose, of 52 F-35As. Worth mentioning as well, this budget proposal also had a very interesting, say, throwaway line. Again, it wasn't throwaway, it was put in there deliberately, but a line that said that in parallel with the integration of the Joint Strike Missile, which is a derivative of the Naval Strike Missile from Kongsberg adapted for airborne use, that Norway will procure. It says here that there is a procurement contract scheduled to be signed this year of the JSM. And of course, what was it? What are we talking on the 25th of October now? Um, it was announced oh, just last Thursday that Norway has in fact signed a deal for the JSM worth $466 million. So this is Norway very soon to complete in the next few years the uh, acquisition of all their F-35As. And at the same time, they have, with cooperation from uh, Raytheon Missiles and Defense in the US, they've developed this very unique joint strike missile capability, which is an air-to-ground missile that can fit inside the F-35's internal weapon bay, thereby maintaining the platform's stealth configuration. I mean, talk about having a plan of action and making it happen. Norway's done a great job in making Mm. sure it's got the aircraft and, of course, the munitions it needs in a very decent time frame and all to plan, give or take. Yeah, and to maintain its main selling point of stealth configuration. Mm. The JSM, I'm guessing, is that a sole deal between Norway and uh, the US so far? This deal is just for Norway at the moment. Could you see anyone else grabbing onto it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I can. I can. I'm, I'm not sure whether the UK will to be honest, but I can see other operators, particularly the US. I mean, if you've got a capable missile like the JSM able to be integrated inside the weapons bay and you've got the resources to do it, why would you not do it? Why would you risk that stealth configuration by mounting weapons on external hardpoints? I think it's a great selling point, isn't it? If one of the main selling points about the F-35 is stealth, then you want the munitions it carries to be sort of configured with that idea in mind, also stealth. So I can see a number of other operators potentially Mm -hmm. looking to acquire this um, missile the same i think that's mostly it from me we'll touch on the afghan airlift uh, a little bit later on so joseph i'm going to cast the net the news net over to you from an operational perspective what's caught your eye over the past week or so in the past week or so there's been uh, quite a lot of ongoing uh, exercises training mainly got a few operational ongoings but the one that caught my eye was happening over in sweden abbreviated to lfo 21 which is a word that i will try and pronounce but i will struggle it sounds like it's the Luftforce fast solving which translates to air defense exercise 21 so finnish air force f-18c hornets have traveled over i believe that it is six of them yet yeah, and they are going over for this exercise to cooperate with the swedish Gripens. the finnish have also sent over three hawks it's actually quite interesting we're speaking on the 25th so it started last Thursday, I believe, and it runs until Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it finishes tomorrow. But yeah, they've been running ops around the clock, and it's it's quite a cool scenario. It's basically a national uh, defense scenario. The bit I find interesting, anyways, is the fact that the Finnish have sent their Hawks to operate as adversary aircraft. 
They'll be operating from Visby Civil Airport on the Swedish island of Gotland. And the six F-18s will be operating from Satina's Air Base, uh, which is in south-central Sweden. And they'll be part of the Defence Force. So they'll be teaming up with the Swedish Gripens and acting against the Hawks and basically defending Sweden's airspace. As we all know, the Finnish Air Force and the Swedish Air Force are in deep cooperation when it comes to defence and air policing around that region. So yeah, this uh, basically is another exercise where they're participating together. In early October, Ruska 21 happened and uh, the Swedish Air Force sent over their Gripens to Finland for Ruska 21, which is Finland's comparison of this exercise, which is their main air exercise of the year. But yeah, it's really interesting. It's basically like, right, let's create a scenario where we're defending our airspace, get some adversary aircraft involved, which so happens to be the Finnish Hawks, and see how we can cooperate as a team to defend. And yeah, that is kind of their main role as air arms, really. So it makes a lot of sense to train this together. So I'll tell you what's interesting for me as well is that obviously Finland's got its HX fighter program ongoing, which is the replacement program for all the Finnish uh, FA-18C Hornets. And of course, Saab's Gripen EF is one of the contenders. Now, obviously, all the all the bids are in for this program. So in theory and probably in practice, these exercises won't have any impact on the, on the, on the procurement. But it, I suppose it's a good opportunity for Finland, you know, if it had any of the questions about Saab's Gripens, about what these Gripens can do. And if you're talking about having sort of a combined force able to protect sort of the local regional airspace, um, I don't know, would, would, you, would you want a combined force of a single aircraft type or do you think that variety would present different problems to a potential aggressor wouldn't it yeah well it's like i think it you could you say it's a beauty of the modern day that nearly every aircraft is a multi-role fighter so it's a tough one with the bids from bae with the Eurofighter typhoon the salt rafale and the obviously the big boy the lockheed martin f-35 Oh, and the Super Hornet, yeah, the Super Hornet, yeah, which would be a very, in my honest opinion, uh, the simple uh, changeover with just going from the legacy variant to the more modern variant of the aircraft. Mm. I think Growler is part of that deal as well. Saab is, of course, offering the Eri platform as well, so interesting one. Yeah, no, it is. So basically, Finland and Sweden have been operating in these type of exercises for five years now, so since 2016. So I'm pretty sure the Finnish Air Force and the Finnish Defence know how the Gripen works. So through this experience of they gone, well, we see how the Gripen operates and how how it's maintained with all the cooperations they do. So can they be like, well, we do have all these amazing offers, but we do work very closely with the, the Swedish Air Force who operate this aircraft as well. Does this just help work together to get the best out of the, the platform as a whole? There'll be very close cooperation with training, possibly, from Sweden with the country's locations rather than having to send pilots over to the States for the F-35 or the Boeing platforms mm. simulators training and just kind of like i don't know i don't know if that's speaking too much on a simple term but it, it would make sense to me with the cooperation between these two countries that the gripen is a very very high contender for that hx program yeah the decision's going to be made by the end of this year so i guess well we will, we will only have to wait another couple of months yeah the most we will see okay um what else have you got for us in terms of operations and movements yeah well i've got something that's happening right now so again to our listeners don't all rush to RAF Lake and Heath uh, right now when you're listening to this because this would have happened 
yesterday, but speaking today on Monday, uh, we have some very nice looking Qatari Eagles due into the UK today, I believe. Um, it is the Qatari Boeing F-15QAs. They are due for a delivery flight over to Qatar. Uh, I am unsure on numbers of how many are coming, so I do apologise for that, but I would not want to provide you false information. I know they're getting dragged over here by US Air Force uh, tankers. Gold 11 is the call sign if you want to look out for that on the tracking site. They are due at 1600 local, I believe. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see your, your photos and stuff because I believe that these are going to be in an amazing scheme, Richard. They're going to be in like a, a light grey and white camouflage scheme. And yeah, these are going to these are going to be very aesthetically pleasing, I believe. So uh, hopefully some more pop through. And I believe they are due out on the 28th. So that is Thursday. <laughs> uh <laughs> Could be. Um, are these are these being flown over by Qataris or is it Boeing delivery pilots? Uh, I, I believe it's Boeing test pilots. Normally on delivery flights, it will be Boeing test pilots that will bring them over. We had the Saudi Arabian Eagles passing through on delivery flights through Lake and Heath. I mean, it makes sense. Lake and Heath's the F-15 nest of, of Europe, so it makes a lot of sense with the uh, facilities that they have. And mm. It's just a nice uh, movement that's happening in the UK. Another one that's happening right now in the UK as we speak on Monday is the good old KDC-10 of the Royal Netherlands Air Force, now retired, is currently going transatlantic. That is Reg Tango 235. It is due to join the other ex-Royal Netherlands Air Force KDC-10 tanker to operate for the contractor company Omega Aerial Refueling, which is great to know that they've still got a life of flying. It's better than going to the boneyard or getting scrapped up and turning into coke cans so the fact that these will carry on living their their lives as tanking aircraft is great having the pleasure of flying on one of them they are an absolute beast of an aircraft and why not keep flying why not what what will netherlands do for tanking now then well yeah we all know the the big nato pool of aircraft which are currently at eindhoven which is where the kdc-10 was based and has flown out of today with the multi-role transport tanker from airbus got three with a plan nine and it's really interesting what's happening with that kind of tanker role especially with the pool between well nine nations but what they're going to do as well, uh, in fact, I think it's already happened, is one of these MRTTs will be at Luxembourg, always 24-7, 365 configured in a medivac configuration for emergency evacuations. Rather than having to take half a day to, to configure a tanker into a medivac aircraft, they've got one on standby constantly for such situations like disasters and maybe something like the Afghan airlift, like we'll go on to in a second when NATO told me I was very interested like oh really that's a, a kind of a bit of a, a luxury if you could call it that they'll just operate now the MRTT which is obviously the the overtaking aircraft of refueling nowadays with the RAF using it as their main tanker we've got the French using it as well and plans of the United States to actually use it through Lockheed Mines yeah indeed the LMXT isn't it yeah so it must be doing a good job Yeah, we did have the 7th RAF Poseidon last week. The only reason I'm mentioning this is because it was named after quite a, a memorable person, William Barker, VC, a Canadian Victoria Cross winner. And yeah, that was the 7th RAF Poseidon's ZP807, which leaves only two left to complete the order at RAF Lossiemouth. Yeah, they're very useful platforms, obviously, to drag in Norway. Again, the UK and Norway and the US are working closely together to use their Poseidons as sort of police the Greenland, Iceland, UK gap, aren't they, for obviously looking for rival subs, maybe obviously Russian. 
Okay, let's touch on Afghanistan then very, very briefly because um, we've been chatting for, what, 19 minutes or so now. Um, so obviously we saw the story from, I want to say, The Telegraph about a week ago, a week or so ago, about the RAF going to conduct some additional rescue flights of British nationals and eligible Afghans. Well, on Friday the 22nd, I think it was, there was a release finally from UK government stating that two RAF flights had taken place using A400, well, using A400Ms, we know, we found out. And these were two separate flights into a neighbouring country. Obviously, you know, the UK government's not naming names when it comes to neighbouring countries due to the very, very sensitive and very real need to keep these details out of the public eye for operational security reasons and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, this is, I guess, confirmation of, of what was uh, earlier reported. And the statement actually said that uh, these flights will continue. So you, you might see more cases of, of you know, C-17s or A-400Ms uh, flying eligible uh, Afghans and British nationals out of neighbouring countries back to the UK or part of this whole relocation initiative by other NATO countries. So, Interesting one. Interesting that uh, the A400 was the platform selected, I thought, Joseph. Yes, no, me too. I was just about to mention that. And yeah, it's kind of a good sign. It means the A400 is on its way to uh, basically replace the, the mighty workhorse, the C130J of the RAF. It means it's reaching its operational capability. Mm. It's certainly maturing as a, as a platform, and obviously the operators are getting more confident as to what they know they can do with it. And you know, flights such as this, obviously with without pitting, but flights such as this provide really good operational experience for the crews. I guess the, the opportunity to conduct these kind of flights are, must be very, very different from the kind of training missions that they would normally do. We know they do train like it's real life scenarios, but you can't get any sort of training that provides that exact experience. Different things will happen that training can't throw at you. So no, it's great for the crews. Maybe some of them do have a past in Afghanistan or might have even been at Operation Pitten. Do you know, this is a curiosity question, was this part of Operation Pitten or is it officially over? As I understand it, that operation is over. These are additional flights. If I get it wrong, apologies to all our audience. Pitting specifically concerned flights into Afghanistan. And these flights are not going into Afghanistan. They're just to neighboring countries to help facilitate the movement. Obviously, the British nationals and other evacuees have to make that crossing. They have to cross over to a third country. At that point, then the UK Foreign and Commonwealth and Development Office chartered flights or now RAF flights will be able to move these people on to their next destination. Do you know their final destination? Are they heading into RAF Bryce Norton, I'm guessing? They've arrived. There were two flights, one most recent Friday, the 22nd. And I think the first flight was, I think, the 15th of October. I think there were two flights a week apart. And obviously, these 102 UK nationals and eligible Afghans are in the UK and that they're being attended to by relevant authorities as, as, as part. I think it's called Operation Warm Welcome, isn't it? So they will go into the system and fingers crossed they can make a, a decent a decent fist of it. Yeah, interesting. Okay, on that note, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, thanks again, Joseph. Appreciate your time, as always. No problem. Thank you, Richard. For our listeners, if you'd like to know more about the topics discussed today and all the rest of the news from the Air Domain, please visit the Key Aero website. But for now, until next week, thanks for tuning in. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. 
Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.